This is the Rebel Author Podcast, where we talk about books, business, and occasionally bad words. My name is Sasha Black, young adult and non-fiction author, developmental editor, writing consultant, and occasional rebel. Hello, and welcome back to the Rebel Author Podcast. Today, I am going to add a new segment into the intro. But first of all, I want to tell you about a book I've read. Well, listened to, actually, because I listened to the audio uh, in the last week. So the title of the book was Narrated by the Author, How to Produce an Audiobook on a Budget. And that was by Renee Connolty. This book, you guys, I listened to the audiobook in one go, and then I had to go and buy the paperback it was fantastic. It's a step-by-step guide with every single detail you could possibly want, every answer you need, every question answered, every every answer answered. Uh, this book is fantastic and it will help you to create any audiobook, whether it be fiction, non-fiction. If you've been interested in writing, uh, sorry, in producing an audiobook, this book is for you. Okay, next up. I asked my Facebook group and a few friends what I should do for my intros. One thing uh, that Meg Cowley said, and thank you very much, Meg, for the recommendation, was to do a Listener Rebel of the Week. So that's what we're going to do. If you would like to tell me about a uh, rebellious moment in your life, if you would like to have it read out on the podcast, then you can either tweet me at rebelauthorpod or you can email in uh, rebelauthorpodcast at gmail.com or contact me in any of the other plethora of ways that social media has given us. Uh, But in honour of Meg's suggestion, Meg is going to be the first rebel, so I am just going to read out her rebellion. Meg says, My biggest rebellion was probably having the courage to finally say no to trying to fit in with mainstream life, have a day job, and pretend to be normal anymore. I just couldn't do it. It made me feel dead inside. Life had no joy, and my soul was desperately searching for a way so it could sing again. But one day, my boring day job was no longer tenable. It was absolutely terrifying. I had no plan B. My writing and art business was at zero. And with just one week of notice, no pay and no savings, fuck was I scared. But when I took that power, the moment I made that decision, everything shifted. The terror became self-assured, confidence, exhilaration. Power over my own fate. I won't pretend it was easy. It wasn't, but I never looked back. That was one of the best things I ever did in my life and it taught me to always follow my heart because anything is possible. I've now built my dream career from nothing. This is all I've ever dreamed of and I never thought it would be a reality and yet here I am. All it needed was that first courageous spark to light the fire to be different. Hell yes. There you go, guys. Our first listener rebel. So don't forget, if you would like to be the rebel of the week, to message me, uh, tweet me at rebelauthorpod or email in rebelauthorpodcast at gmail.com. And if you'd like to connect with Meg, you can find Meg at Meg underscore Cowley on all of the social medias. Let's get on with the interview. Hello and welcome to the Rebel Author Podcast. I'm Sasha Black and I am here today with Dan Wilcox. Dan is an Amazon author and podcaster of dark fiction. He is one quarter of digital story studio Hawk and Cleaver. 
co-producer of iTunes Busting the Other Stories podcast, celebrating over 3 million downloads, as well as the host of the Great Writers Share podcast. Welcome. Hello, how are you? I'm good, thank you. So just just a little point here. Dan just said to me before uh, we came on, on the air, although we're not live, we're not live, but you know, <laughs> this is the air, um, that he wasn't technical. Dude, you have three million downloads. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you can be technical. Well, you can be, you can get that amount of downloads without having to be technical. We've managed to outsource a lot of the stuff that requires a technicality to other people because I'm I'm fairly right I'm fairly technically minded but not enough that I want to kind of get into the nitty-gritty of all the audio editing and everything else I'm, I'm still learning yeah nothing you say is going to uh, change the fact you have three million downloads and I'm wildly impressed and just will believe that you're technical anyway well, thank you very much um so let's let's go straight to the questions and can you tell me a little bit about your writing journey and and where you came from because obviously you're full-time now but you weren't always um so how did you go from the concept of writing a book to being a full-time author um okay so a whistle stop tour through uh how i approached it and and what i've done with my writing so essentially i started writing in 2014 um i'm not one of these people that spent all my life thinking i'm going to be a writer i'm going to be an author that was it was something that, you know, it would always be nice if, if that happened, but it wasn't ever something I was actively trying to achieve. Um, and then I actually ended up going full time as a freelancer around 2013, 2014, doing a lot of editing and proofreading. Um, and around that time, I got to a point where I was bored of editing other people's work and, and wanted to actually be the person creating the work. So um, I set about writing my first novella. It took a lot longer than it should have. It took a lot more <laughs> edits than it should have. Um released that in October of 20 I want to say 2015 um and it somehow got to the number one spot on the short horror stories charts for over the Halloween period so obviously for a horror author that's kind of a fantastic thing to happen um fast forward a little bit I met some guys online just doing a bit of networking trying to meet other writers and uh met Ben Errington Luke Condor and Matt Butcher who are the other three guys from Hawk and Cleaver uh we joined together made made the Hawk and Cleaver digital story studio and around the April of 2016 released the Other Stories podcast, which is 20-minute short fiction released every Monday, every four weeks. We change the theme. It's all horror, sci-fi, thriller themes. So it's very, very dark. And uh, yeah, that kind of hit it off. And from there, it's just been a whirlwind of um, getting books out, just co-writing with a lot of different people. And uh, yeah, April this year, I can say I was very, very lucky to be able to take myself full time as an author, which is which is nice. <laughs> uh, absolutely amazing. I think it is the majority of most authors that I know. I think that is probably their dream. Not not everybody, of course, but I think most of the ones that I know, um, and certainly the indies, that is that is the dream. So just before we, we're here today to talk about co-writing, but 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 just before we dive into that, tell us a little bit more um, about the podcast. So are do are you writing? for audio first or are they excerpts from novels or so t tell us a bit more about your your two podcasts so uh, the other story basically started off as an experiment originally it was going to be um a an emag so the plan was for because there were four of us writing we were each going to write a 1000 word short story stick into an emag and put it out as a bit of content while we produce other stuff uh, just to have a steady flow of content that comes out each month that people can rely on and uh, Luke Condor, who's a co-writer of mine um, and has been in podcasting for a fair few years, said, why don't we why don't we try and make it a podcast and see see what happened? So it was never originally the seed wasn't for it to be a podcast. But then I think the structure of it lend, lent itself very well to podcasting, because one of the things that we get a lot from our listeners are 
the fact that it's it's 20 minute short fiction it's wrapped up in a bubble people have a beginning middle and end you can listen to it on the bus on the train on the car whatever your journey is it's a short amount of fiction you can just jump into and get out and i think that's what keeps people hooked but it's always been a case of everything that we put on that podcast is original is our own work and um yeah i mean a lot of the times we tend to write it in a way or i tend to write it I'm, i won't speak to the other guys but i tend to write in a way that i'm just creating a short story that i like and the the narrative um production that we use is often more just a almost like an audiobook narrator but we've got an editor that puts sort of sounds and effects into it if it needs to be um rather than almost like a, an audio play where it would be two people speaking um we've done a couple of those but we tend to keep it quite straight just because it's easier to to produce and keep it rolling every week and produce um so yeah i mean a few episodes have been written well i've written a few episodes where i've specifically had uh an, a desired effect in mind or it's been written almost like a script or monologuing from someone's head but the majority of the time it's it tends to just be they're now two thousand word short stories because we upped the the length of it um and yeah it, it's stories that i could and i have put into things like anthologies and short story collections for myself stuff that i can then repurpose and use elsewhere mm. um, and just make the most of that content that was literally going to be my follow-up question are you are you anthologizing them or so you've said they're short stories do Mm -hmm. you ever you know because i i write flash fiction and occasionally poetry but sometimes the flash fiction um has become a seed for a whole novel so do you do you ever find that that happens with your shorts oh this is all linking together very well so (laughs) at the the minute (laughs) um yeah absolutely at the minute i am actually i've transformed a 2000 word short story that i did about five months ago into a 30,000 word novella that i'm currently editing and bringing forwards to hopefully get out by halloween as my as my book for this year because i like to always bring something new out around october mm-hmm. um so yeah absolutely i mean it's, it's really good because i've got a collection of shorts from the podcast called twisted which came out came out april last year um and that's got 28 stories that are written, which obviously if you do the maths, 2,000 words each, that's 56,000 words into a collection. So it's fairly good value for people. But within that are just seeds and seeds and seeds for stories mm-hmm. and things that, I mean, there are a couple of stories in there. Um, one that I have tried to make into a longer work and I don't feel like I'm ready enough as a as a writer yet to expand it fully. Um, but yeah, there's a lot in there that we that I could pull from and expand if I wanted to mm-hmm. and potentially maybe in the future. So why, um, what, just last question before I actually talk about what we're supposed to be talking about. This is just so <laughs> interesting. Um, um, so, um, so why do you not feel ready? Is that just because um, you want to develop as a writer? Because I have kind of a story that is on my back burner because um, I'm like obsessive about learning craft and I just feel like I want to be at a certain level of ability, I suppose, before I attempt it. Is it is it a similar yeah i think so so the story itself um is based on an oil rig out in the in the oceans of nova scotia and i think it's primarily just because i haven't had the time to sit down and properly research life on an oil rig so i got about ah. 15 20 thousand words into the story and then I, I you know i may be wrong i may be a bit self-critical about it but in reading it back i went you know this isn't i'm not feeling the authenticity of being on that oil rig um mm. and i think that i've I've reached out to some people. I've got a few people that do work on oil rigs. I'm going to be speaking to and getting out there. But yeah, I feel like I I just need to adjust it, look at it from a slightly different lens and then sort of just make it a bit more of a comprehensive narrative. Amazing. So is that book that you mentioned about Halloween on pre-order yet? Can everybody get it or? Not yet. (sighs) Um, I am in the second edits going through the book at the minute. Um, I've never personally 
gone through the pre-order process so okay. it may be something that i experiment with and and give a go i may put it up for pre-order um but otherwise uh, i mean i can sell the title the the book's going to be called the mark of the damned okay um, and yeah it'll be it'll be out around october i'm i'm guarantee it Okay, well, so everybody go and follow Dan on Amazon because then you'll get an alert when his book <laughs> comes out. Um, okay, moving on to what we're supposed to talk about, um, co-writing. So you co-write loads of books and it's something that I know um, lots of people who want to write fast, publish fast um, do, but also people who just want to, you know, work with somebody else because this can be a lonely business. Um, so can you tell me a little bit about what co-writing looks like for you what does it entail what's the process like so i've so if i narrow it down i think looking at it i've approached it through three different ways so i've had sort of three different setups when it comes to co-writing the first one i did um was with luke condor from hawk and cleaver and our plan for that was basically the model that we based it around was we wanted to write more books try that again write books faster um <laughs> and the best way to do that that we could work out was team up together. And we'd looked, we'd read each other's books and we thought our writing styles are quite similar. We get on very well anyway. Um, so we thought we'd give it a go. So the plan was, and what we uh, eventually delivered was writing two books at once where we storyboard both the individual stories. One of us will take the lead on a particular book, um, write the first draft each. And then once we both finish, we can swap over each do a second draft, swap over and, and go on until we're happy. Um, which worked fantastically. We we had two books come out of that, which was one was The Rot, which is in our um, They Rot uh, apocalyptic series. And another was Lazarus, which came out. Um, the only hiccups we hit with that were we expected the books to be around the same length and we write at fairly similar speed. So we thought we'd hit it and be able to stop at the same time and swap over. But one book ended up being 55,000 words and the other ended up being 100,000 words. So there was a little bit of a, a couple of issues in, in the timing there, but we just got, sort of waited swapped it over um who so wrote long who wrote long that was me <laughs> <laughs> um but it, it was one of those where i felt like the story needed it and mm. maybe you know in hindsight i probably could have cut a bit from it but it was it was our first soiree into uh, collaborating um so that was one where we basically like i say we kind of just each dipped in and out we made the ideas together we went for it um I also did a collaboration with Jay Thorne on his American Demon Hunter series, which was different in the in the way that he already had an established world and he had three central characters that the stories were through. Um, so I essentially had to adopt his characters and put them into a story that I'd then created, which, I mean, working with Jay was absolutely fantastic and I, I love him. He's a fantastic guy. Um, but I do feel like that was probably the trickiest of all the collaborations because you are a bit more restricted with what the characters can do and who they are. And obviously if you've already got seven, eight books in that backlist um, and you've got readers now reading this book, they expect them to be in a certain way. So you really have to read the rest and understand what's going on with them and how they'd react to certain situations. Um, but I'm, I'm proud of what we came out with. That was fun. And then the most recent ones are with Michael Anderley, um, in which the co-writing is a lot more, um, it's kind of a middle middle grounds between the two so michael obviously has his catherian gambit universe which he's created he's got his timelines there are characters here and there but as a as a collaborator in that world i essentially have free reign just to drop my own characters that i create into his world and then just abide by certain rules so it's not much the nitty-gritty of the individual characters it's more the global rules that you have to follow um which can be a lot of fun and has been a lot of uh there's been a lot of sort of ideation and just playing around with the things that are 
um, in that world and just sort of bouncing off it and seeing how far I can stretch it. So those are the three different different types that I've approached through. And so how far you mentioned that you write quite fast so how how fast are we talking here terrify me with your speed <laughs> so on a on a good day i'll average eight to ten thousand words <laughs> whoa uh, on a on a regular day it would probably be so today for example i count as a poor day and that was four thousand words wow and i mean just wow <laughs> is that just bum and chair you know fingers on keyboard or do you do you type fast what is your secret it's outrageous i think I, I mean i don't think i'm anything particularly special i think it's just practice and i think um i um i've grown more disciplined over the years i definitely haven't been an organized disciplined person in the past and what i have done and what i do do a lot is constantly look at different methods to um improve i sort of study how people can be productive the different things that sort of get you in the zone and i think a lot of the time it just comes from habit mm. um one of the things that i did to start with was just i started just with my word count and just tracking my word count and uh, to be honest about a year ago i think i was averaging about 800 to maybe a thousand 1200 words in an hour um and then now i'm more around sort of 1500 to two and a half thousand and most of that is because it, it's attitude based. I'm not. I'm not guaranteeing their quality words because this is sla- <laughs> this is slamming out first drafts most of the time, and I'm I'm lucky enough that I've got sort of editors and a good editor eye myself to go back and clean it up. But for me, I've the the thing that I found is the faster I can write, the more I stop the hesitations and the mm. more flow actually finds its way into the writing. So I will look back and actually be like, okay, I'm quite happy with this because I think the worst thing that any writer can do is stop for a significant amount of time and then have to go back and, and visit um, a story because that just breaks your flow, it breaks your thoughts and it's just tricky to get back into it. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, it's just it's just practice and I know, I know what I'm capable of now. So I then try to hold myself accountable to that standard a lot. So, and I'm guessing you must plot then in order to write that fast or are you, do you write into the dark, you're a pantser or whatever they call it? I'm a bit of both. I'll do initial uh, planning and research into what I want the story to achieve. And then um, I kind of have a bit of a, here's what I want to happen in act one, act two, act three, a couple of key points that are the big points. And then I do do a fair bit of discovery writing. So I know who my main characters are I want to introduce. I know the the conflicts I want to achieve and hit. And then a lot of the time, the path that I envision taking to that will just veer off and it'll, I'll get there eventually, but via a different, different road. Mm. Um, but I think, again, when you sort of write fast, you're writing with your imagination and you're sort of on a parallel with yourself. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't, I'd like to be more of a plotter, but I'm just not. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I plot and then I just don't look at it and don't write anything like the pot. So, you know. <laughs> That's the thing as well. You can, I mean, there's, there's nothing wrong with that because obviously in, in creating that initial bit of plot, you're already seeing the ideas in your head for what you will then unconsciously do as you're writing through it and different Mm. things will start to pan out and you'll be like okay discard that just without knowing and then bring this in and yeah i think i think getting a healthy balance i don't think there's a right way i just it's it's just 
how I how I do. No, that's absolutely true. And I think it takes people a few books before they really know how they write anyway. And, um, you know, experimenting, I don't really help myself because I don't write chronologically either. So not only (laughs) do I not follow my plot, I also don't write in order. It is a nightmare. That's where I would struggle. I'm definitely a a linear point A to point B. Let's go. Yeah, I wish. I wish I could do that. I just, I write the things that come into my brain and they are never in the correct order. Or it's it's a pain. <laughs> um, anyway, so um, co-writing is is uh, is fascinating to me, but obviously we are talking about intellectual property rights and that means there's copyright issues, there's legal issues, there's royalties to be paid. So normally as an indie author, you know, you have full control of all of those things, the books get sold, the money comes into your bank, but not so much if you are a co-author and you are not the publisher. So how does that work? Tell me more about that. Okay, um, so I'll preface this as well by saying I'm in no way any qualified to discuss or to re- <laughs> recommend legal advice or how people should do it. Um, but I, do, I, I have seen a fluidity in how people do approach it. So I've had some where, for example, the books that I've written with me and Luke, which are all our own intellectual property, it's stuff that we came up with equally. Um, we we have a gentleman's agreement that we will eventually put paperwork down, um, <laughs> which, you know, probably not the best way, but I'll, I'll be completely transparent. Me and, me and Luke are we're, we're really close friends. So um, the, we definitely have discussed putting it down on paper. It's just getting around to actually making that happen. But for us, it's just a case of... Um, 45% goes to me, 45% goes to Luke, and then 10% goes back to Hawk and Cleaver as a story studio that's published the, the book itself. And that's something that we'll likely do with sort of other um, books that we put out through the Hawk and Cleaver brand. Um, some collaborations have been a case of I've been paid just a set fee and then everything else belongs to the other author, which obviously simplifies it a lot because it means that I know what to expect from the start. I get completely what my delivery is. And then the um, author who retains the IP rights, they'll get their royalties, they'll do whatever, and that's kind of their business. Um, and I think in that kind of deal, it's it depends what you're after with that. So for me, that was exposure plus a little bit of cash because that person had a bigger platform than, than I did. So obviously it balances out in its own way. And then um, with another, it has been a case of um, just... 50 50 royalty splits and ip and any sort of residual royalties from certain things depending on what the contract demands will then stay with the original creator of the ip so i think it it depends how you want to approach it i'm, I'm yet to be on the side where for example i put out an anthology and i manage the royalties it's something that i am looking into because i i want to be a publisher of other people's work and, and go down that route um but I think a lot of it just comes with expectations, just reading the contract and just make sure both parties are happy. I think not at any point have I been scared to ask for something that I've wanted from a contract or an agreement um, or not at any point has anyone tried to hide anything. I've been very, 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 very lucky uh, with my collaborating based off some of the stories that I've heard of other people and, and how they can go wrong. Um, but that's kind of how mine are managed. Mine, mine's very simplified at the minute. It's 50% from... Uh, the stuff with Luke is 50% from another contract and then the rest were just flat fees. So tell me what the best part and the worst part of co-writing is. There's got to be some, uh, there's got to be some niggles somewhere along the, give me the gossip. Give me the gossip. (laughs) Uh, uh, 
I mean, again, like I said, I've been very, very, very lucky with uh, my collaborators. I've I've found people that I've fitted with, fitted with well. And um, I mean, the best parts are you're creating something bigger yourself than yourself. I I went into writing. Originally, I wrote my first couple of books that were my ego projects. My I just want to write these and get these done um, and prove that I can and do something to the world. But pretty much bar my first novel and this upcoming one that will be coming out in october every other one of my books has been a collaboration and that's let me think probably about 12 13 books some of them under a pen name um and it's yeah i mean being able to bounce ideas off of other writers being able to have someone that you can rely on to spit story ideas at get something back there'll be a twist that you never even would have thought of comes from someone else um you have someone there to massage your ego a bit and say occasionally oh, you, you, you get a chapter sent back and oh yeah no actually this is really good and you go oh thank you i needed that which you obviously don't get in in solo writing but it's something that's really really um it's just, it's just nice to have without uh, everyone needs an ego massage at some point um <laughs> and yeah and i think it's primarily the story ideas primarily the the communication the networking the the chance to share other people's platforms and for them to share yours uh, are all the all the good sides in terms of the the negatives the only ones i've kind of encountered really um come down to who you choose to collaborate with and what your expectations are mm-hmm. so i think the biggest ones will sometimes be conflicting deadlines or priorities so it might be particularly if it's potentially a book that you're one of your first books and you're thinking oh this is this is something i need to get my name on i need to start putting my stuff out there and you're collaborating with someone who has 10 other things going on and it's not their most important priority you will get frustrated because you'll be finding that you'll be waiting a lot a long time for stuff to happen that you feel like you probably could do yourself or maybe someone else would do better um and in those those cases i think it's just better to talk it out be open be honest and potentially find other people if if you need to um and to be honest that's the only negative i can really think of i think if you're someone who is in writing for your your own ego and for not in a negative way because obviously everyone's got a piece of themselves that they want to share with the world but if you're someone that feels like you couldn't let go of a project very easily or or if you've suggested something and someone else said actually no and you're like but i really want to do this and maybe maybe co-writing is not for you but for me i i left my ego at the door um anyone i've collaborated with i say up front what i'm willing to do what i'm not willing to do um and just an example i i've written uh, a pilot and several first episodes for a possible tv show which is with a, a film friend of mine and it's, it's not something that i see potentially will happen but obviously you don't know unless you put something out there and and straight from the start I, I was working um at the time on on my series with michael and i said to him i'm happy to work with you i'm happy to create this story this world with you i'm not going to be able to put much in terms of physically writing the words down um so don't expect that from me and he was more than happy to do that and said, yeah, that's absolutely fine. I want to do that anyway. And straight from the start, it was then more of I was more of a, a creative contributor then rather than an actual co-writer on that one. But, yeah, I mean, there's there, there are a million ways to do it. And I think each collaboration is individual, not just from uh, writer to writer, but from book to book to project as well. What a diplomatic response. <laughs> Let, less gossip more diplomacy. No, I like it. It's fine. No, I mean, I genuinely don't really have much gossip at all. I think there are always frustrations there are always niggles it's it's usually around the deadline thing mm. um sometimes people just forget stuff sometimes people have days in which they they can't get the words down because they've got their, their 
sort of block something or prop up and or kids starting school kids starting school yeah <laughs> as we were as we were discussing today and uh yeah i mean there's 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 niggles but i just i do wholeheartedly love it and i wouldn't i wouldn't have done so many if i didn't think that it was something that's enjoyable and worth doing absolutely and i think you know i kind of said this earlier but one of the things that i think is so good about co-writing is that it turns a very isolating job into a team a team team job which is i think fantastic um okay so thinking about you know you've said you've done i think 12 or 13 books so top tips for people who are considering or thinking about coming into co-write what should what should they be aware of what things did you perhaps make mistakes on or learn from or or what things you know 13 books down the line would you say um to somebody who's thinking about co-writing i think the biggest one is know why you're doing it so are you doing it because you want to connect with other authors are you doing it because someone else has a platform that you're trying to get a piece of um are you doing it just to try it and give it a go and see if it's it's a good way to sort of work the writing process for yourself um i mean collaboration can mean a a thousand different things i know people who collaborate by contributing ideas rather than the story i know people that do the bulk of the writing i know that people that just create a universe and then obviously just sell pieces of that to different different people um so definitely just know why you're doing it understand that there is a lot of give and take being a co-writer with someone is very much depending how you approach it can very much be like being in a relationship with someone (laughs) you like honestly particularly with uh, me and luke in that that first year in which we wrote um, our first book together it was pretty much like every day you're messaging every day you're checking up you have calls on on skype on whatever just to discuss what's going on this idea isn't working this is you're encouraging them things are frustrating and then they're happy and then you celebrate <laughs> and then you promote and it's wonderful um and you you do really get to know the sort of heart and mind of people that you that you co-write with um i think yes yeah, a top tip know why you're doing it understand that not everyone has the same expectations that you do and like i mentioned earlier lay out what your expectations are because i think if you don't do that from the start and if you're very much just a case of i've met you you've met me this is fantastic let's just dive into it um it it doesn't always work that way you definitely need to say what it is that you're willing to do what you're trying to achieve um put down some kind of paper agreement to start with um obviously me and luke are hypocritical with that but everything else i've done uh, has had some sort of paper contract and it has been signed just to say who owns the rights to what um, and what you've been promised to get out of it by the end. Um, I think something else that's probably worth looking at is beyond the writing itself. If you're if you're going indie, um, look at the marketing beyond and what you both can contribute to that because if you're trying to make a book that's successful, it goes beyond the writing, it goes to your platforms, it goes to who's going to take control of the promotion, whose dashboard is it going to sit on. Uh, someone has to take the lead uh, at some point because otherwise it's just not going to be published. Um, and I'm just trying to think of anything else. I think those are sort of the key ones. It's it's mostly why more than anything else. Why is it you want to co-write? I think that's it. I think that's probably a question that most writers ought to ask themselves when they're you know looking at this as a business because that's the driver behind whether you want to be traditionally published or indie published or you know whether you want to write to market even or or continue sticking you know with your genre if it's perhaps more niche and harder to to um sell to. Exactly. So yeah. sorry, go on. I was going to say I, I never started out writing wanting to co-write. 
I never didn't want to co-write. It was just nothing that I considered. And then I I got very, very lucky falling. I'm going to keep saying that because <laughs> I'm very, very thankful for sort of the path that I've been on. But um, I I got very lucky to get to know Luke and get to a point where we both were in a position where we wanted to co-write. And it just so happened to be that we worked well together. I think if I had started with someone else, it might have gone a completely different direction and I'd potentially be writing solo today. But um, yeah, don't, I think it's coming back to the relationship analogy. The more you look for your other half, the harder they are to find. It's mm. yeah. I think you, there's no easy way to find a collaborator. And I feel like it's something you can't force. You have to be on the same page. Mm. Um, just, I don't believe in luck by the way, behind that luck was a lot of hard work, <laughs> sweat, tears, and, uh, you know, writing related tantrums. So to, to be fair. Yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Um, any tools or software um, that you particularly use that writers might uh, find useful with, with their co-writing? Um, Google Docs, without a doubt, is infinitely amazing um, just for the cloud sharing abilities and the fact that you can both be in a document, you can both be looking at it over talks, you can add your comments, um, it tracks changes, everything. So um, I know that Google isn't the only person that does it, but I know there's a Microsoft, so I can't remember what the, the word, I think it's just Word Online or something, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> there's, no there's, there's, there's a Microsoft equivalent. Um, but yeah, Google Docs is fantastic. Google Sheets as well. We use a lot for planning the other story stuff and just checking all the boxes and making sure we're all um, up to date with who needs to what with production. Um, and then for me, I keep it simple. I just use Scrivener. So I'll create and write new words in Scrivener. And when me and Luke first started writing, um, we were both on the same versions of Scrivener. I don't think we are anymore because it's not syncing anymore. Um, but we used to just be able to, one of us would close the document, the other one would open it, and we'd have everything where we need it to be. Whereas now what I'll do is I'll write anything raw and fresh in Scrivener and then just copy the, the entire chunk when it's finished over into Google Docs for whoever needs to see it to, to dive in and have a look. Um, and that's, that's, that's mostly it. Slack is fantastic for just communicating with people. If you've got a lot of people you're trying to communicate with. So in the Hawk and Cleaver Slack, I think we've probably got about 20 25 people in there which is a mixture of writers narrators audio editors um and just other sort of people that are, are useful and friends of ours that, that sit in there and talk um so finding a way to communicate with people is is nice and out away from facebook because facebook is so distracting oh my god um, seriously <laughs> um and yeah they're the they're the main ones i use to be honest it's 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 that simple well, I think that's a brilliant tip. Also, everybody just turn off Facebook or use, um, you know, like freedom software. Or so I think I yes. use self-control because pff, I literally get nothing done. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I know. I'm like, oh, I must go and, you know, post in my Facebook group. But, and then I'm like, fuck, it's an hour later. <laughs> like, What happened to the last yeah. hour? I'm becoming more and more conscious of it that I'll, I know that I'll be going there for a specific purpose to send a message to someone or just to check something. And then five minutes later, I, I feel myself having missed time and sitting there going, <laughs> what did I come to do? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is pretty disciplined, though. I, I now just have to, uh, I'm trying to implement a new schedule where I do not go on social media until after 12 o'clock. So I do kind of deep work in the morning. Yeah. Um, yeah <laughs> i did once research well i say research they've got they had a product come out that was called the uh r the free write traveler which is um yeah. the little keyboard with a tiny screen yeah so it's portable there's no internet it's just it's a word system but the minute i saw the price tag i was like nah fuck that because it was yeah. 450 pounds and i was like i could just you know smash out the wi-fi chip of my laptop <laughs> yes, my, a bit aggressive you know yeah. <laughs> 
guess um, you could buy like a 200 pound laptop and just like break the part that lets you communicate with everyone else and then you have the same system but yeah it's funny i was interviewing um dean wesley smith for the um alliance conference the other day and he was telling me that he actually purposefully brought another computer and just you know got rid of the internet on it and there's no other programs other than his writing software that is it and i was like yeah i i i should probably do that (laughs) it makes sense i mean separating because that's, that's the problem is everything's so connected on that one machine. It's the mm-hmm. same with your phone. I've done it before where I've cleaned my phone from stuff and then suddenly been like, actually, I need to access my bank. I need to do this. Mm-hmm. I need to do that. But if you have a separate something for creation, then your mind will automatically connect that with creation. And again, this comes back into all the, like, the habits and the productivity stuff that I've been looking into. But yeah, if your mind is used to going to Facebook on one computer that's what it's going to want to do automatically and you'll find yourself doing it and then you'll hate yourself <laughs> well it's classical um it's classical con- conditioning or the oh, yeah. skinner's operant dog or whatever it was you know with, with the bell and that it is about you know training habitually what what is your morning routine or your mo- morning ritual yeah. um okay last question oh. this is the rebel author podcast so i want you to tell me <laughs> about a time when you were a rebel okay so I don't know how rebellious this is, but this is this was my experience. It's something I'll be uh, completely honest with at the start of my uh, at the start of my writing journey. So, part of what got me in back into writing because I say back into I I've always loved writing. I was um, an English sort of major throughout university, um, but I'd never seen myself actually pursuing writing as a, as a proper thing. Like I said at the beginning, I never thought I that was never like something I was 100 percent trying to achieve. Um, obviously very very thankful i'm here now and i ended up joining a writers group locally um 2013 2014 after i left uni i was missing sort of the english vibe uh, and the writers group i went to it was, it was nice it was sort of about 12 15 people uh, in the back of a pub they'd meet up once a month and um it was very much a case of people there who most of them were poets a few of them wrote sort of short stories some of them were um i'm trying to speak without i'll try not to name names but some people were <laughs> people who've names had, <laughs> who've had experience of writing in the past and were up their own ass and a few people who were kind of new that were just trying to like uh, learn the ways and just and just be around other creatives and it was it was honestly fantastic to sit with these people and to be around people that were trying to that would just just have that energy that i was looking for and what we did was every 15 minutes someone would put an exercise forward we'd write 15 minutes we'd go around the circle read back what we'd written no critiquing because obviously most uh, writers groups they have critiquing moments but this was more just a chance to create and, and share what you created and after i'd been there for about i mean i was going constantly for about a year and a half or so i made some really good friends um they cheered on when i started sort of self-publishing um like i say most of them were poets and it got to a point where it was almost derisive how they sort of look at you when you were because I, I started to write far, uh, faster which meant that by that 15 minutes i'd have sort of two pages like <laughs> of this story that i just like spam out i'm not saying it's good uh, but i spam out and you know we'd read those and, and the other guys would sort of like start making quips and comments and that so i i pretty much just said fuck them and and left and decided because it went from being uh, a group that provided positivity and encouragement to suddenly being negative and almost jealous in a way of sort of they, they saw my books doing more and more and more and i was just like no, I love the people and I'm still in contact with them now, but overall the whole group, I was just like, you know what, this isn't beneficial for me. I, I can do more positive things with the people I'm working with. So yeah, fuck you. <laughs> 
brilliant <laughs> i love it and um but i i i really kind of um you know um what's the word Sim- not simp no empathize wait no i don't know what are words it's far too late in the day empathize. yeah because um you know i think the indie community is so supportive and uh, you know i'm yet to come across an arsehole like i really am like <laughs> where are the arseholes there are no arseholes yeah. everybody is lovely um so yeah we don't need that kind of bullshit negativity so yeah more power to you for um giving them the big fuck you thank you <laughs> how rebellious that one was but you know hey it's it's a rebellion it's a you you gave them the birdie it was a rebellion <laughs> <laughs> okay so where can we find out more about you where where tell us about um the links to your podcast your website that kind of stuff yep so pretty much everything that i do personally is on uh danielwilcox.com and that's wilcox which is w-i-l-l-c-o-c-k-s the longest possible way um anything that i'm doing with hawk and cleaver is at www.hawkandcleaver.com um and yeah just from there you can get to all my books you can get to the great writer share podcast you can get to the other stories podcast um and yeah just everything going on mostly from those two things oh and on facebook instagram and twitter at wilcox author amazing well thank you everybody for listening and thank you dan for giving me some of your time today i'm sasha yeah you are most (laughs) welcome Uh, i'm sasha black you are listening to dan wilcox and this was the rebel author podcast Next week, I'm talking to Bonnie Wagner Stafford all about how to create a marketing plan. Now, most of her techniques are focused on nonfiction. However, I found they were also applicable to my fiction. So, whether you're a nonfiction writer or a fiction writer or a creative in general, don't forget to tune in and subscribe on your podcatcher. And when you have a moment, please leave a review.